Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. Love it. So if you've got questions about today's episode, ideas for future episodes, please contact us. And there are two easy ways to do that. Father, so easy. What are You could email us if you still use email, uh, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Or you could tweet at us at SF Diocese, hashtag Ignition. Terribly sorry, but we're not on Snapchat. No. Because <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a broadcast, it's vocal, and we just don't do visuals like that. Right. We have faces made for radio and podcast. <laughs> Indeed. So, uh, if, uh, Father, I have to say, l- 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 hmm. good, good, good radio. <laughs> This is going to be a calmer episode than last week's. Yes. We celebrated our 250th episode of Ignition last hey. week with all of our, uh, the two of us and our and our guest co-hosts, and it was quite the roundtable. Rambunctious. Rambunctious discussion. We're back to the calm. Calm. NPR version of Ignition. Yes. How are you, Father? I'm very well. I'm enjoying the fact that I'm trying to use some NPR-style diction and pronunciation and vocal movements. I'm glad to hear that because I can't do this anymore. It I'm is very done. difficult. So we are done with that, right? I don't know. I mean, okay, it, you can it bring is it back important to be done. more careful in the way right. that we pronounce to things. To clear, speak clearly for the radio. Exactly. So, And also when preaching and pronouncing the gospel, I've been more uh, conscientious of late. Actually, you know what kind of got me thinking about this? No. So uh, we have a, a professor came up to me after Mass one Sunday, and he said, would you remind uh, your extraordinary ministers to make sure they use their right hand with the Blessed Sacrament if, if, for an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion? And I was like, oh, why was that? He's like, well, the international students, guys and gals, when they see someone using their left hand, they go to a different line. What? Because in most third world countries, your left hand is reserved for things of bodily cleanliness. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And so uh, uh, you just typically wouldn't eat or serve someone food with your left hand. Interesting. Yeah. And so just as a matter of politeness. And uh, maybe just think about the non-English speakers and things like that. And so I we should pronounce better as well. It's for the... People, non-English speakers, or English as a second language. Right. Nice. You didn't think that tangent was going to go there, did you? No. You had no idea where that tangent was No idea was going. where that, that's why I said, no. Speaking of a worldwide church, that was a good segue, though. I served you up. I served you up. Come on. Uh, we are going to... My, story, my stories are universally applicable. Yes, they are sometimes. Uh, we're going to talk about fathers and my... That's the right grammar. A favorite theologian. Actually, we had to specify this once we started building our lists. Our favorite theologians, like of the last century, give or take, and it, it's not even all of them. This is frankly just some of them, right? Right, right. So, because there are all sorts of incredible theologians for the two thousand years of church history. It's kind of like ice cream flavors. Meaning. Well, I mean, there's a lot of favorites. I mean, there's Moose Tracks, there's Tin Roof Sunday, there's uh, chocolate chip, there's just plain vanilla, there's ne- chocolate, there's chocolate with almond, Neapolitan. Strawberry, come on. Really? Oh, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. But yeah, you know, sherbet, um, all sorts Sorbets, of gelato. Sorbet. Gelato. Yeah. But so there's all sorts of great flavors of ice gelato. cream. Gelato. Like, you know, what's your favorite ice cream? Gelato. You've been to never gelato. Been. I was just going to talk about gelato places in Rome. I haven't uh, been to in like seven years. Uh, yeah. So, right. I mean, so we could pick all sorts. And so we just off the top of our head, I, I think, um, listed a few of our favorites from the last century. Um, I don't know. I think maybe we'll alternate on our lists um, because we have, I think, just one in common. Uh, and so maybe we'll start there and then just go back and forth. From That's there. A good. That sounds good. So who do we both share as one of our favorite theologians of modern times, Father? Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger. Ratzinger Papa. Ratzinger Papa. Italian. It was, never mind. When Pope, Rat, <laughs> when, when Pope Benedict was elected. Um, I, I saw later a clip, um, uh, and, and it was Italian coverage. You have uh, to watch Italian coverage yes. of particularly papal election, really anything. Right. But a papal election, they just, this, the, the Italian pers- personality, it was, Ratzinger Papa. Demonstrative. Il Tedesco, the German, Ratzinger Papa. Il Tedesco. It was, it was quite fun to watch. Makes me also wonder, like, where the Italian betting houses are. Where I mean, that's probably why they're so excited. Because <laughs> right. I feel like I the Italians want... probably all bet on who's the next pope. <laughs> we were actually, there was really interesting. One uh, fun thing I thought for last week from uh, from last week, Father, oh, yeah. talking, uh, Emily Hoffman, and speaking about how she was there when Francis was elected. And just, we were talking then about the excitement of... Papal election. Yeah. Yeah, and just, the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, but one of our favorite elections is Pope Benedict the elections. <laughs> one of our favorite elections was the election of <laughs> Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger as the uh, 240. Mm-hmm. I thought 66th. 266? Maybe, maybe not. Okay. Anyway. As one of the popes. Yes. <laughs> but he's also one of our favorite theologians. Yes. Why, why for you? Uh Gosh, uh, you know, I mean, there's personal reasons and there's actual theological reasons. It's like personal reasons. I always joke that he saved my priestly vocation. Mm. Um, not that. Uh, yeah, explain that. Yeah, so like to, to explain that. So in the seminary, I was in the seminary when uh, at the end of the uh, pontificate of Pope St. John Paul II, and everyone is like, oh, St. John Paul II, we love John Paul II, he's so great. And I just couldn't read what he wrote. Right. It's I'm, nothing. Yep. To, I like what he writes. I can't read it. Right. right. Uh, and it's not that I haven't learned to read. Um, <laughs> I have a fine education. But just the way that he writes in his voice, it was just hard for me to access it. Yeah. And uh, so I started like, oh, you know, am I not called to be a priest since I don't think his... Now, I later on as I'm wiser, I'm wondering whether how many of my seminarian brothers had actually read the stuff at right. the time. Um, but uh, but then I was introduced to the writings of Joseph Ratzinger, and I loved it. Right. And I'll, I'll explain a little more why I loved it. But that just made me think, oh, now I've got a church insider that I like. You know, I'm called yeah. to be a priest. <laughs> <laughs> the um, Lord moves in mysterious ways. Amen. So uh, what I like about him is, uh, number one, just like the clarity of his thought. Uh, it's clear. It's concise. It's efficient. Doesn't seem like there's a lot of wasted um, words that he uses, so I aspire to be more like him. <laughs> and then uh, also, there's a real depth of contemplation and prayer right. that seems like he's right. writing from. Right. And as a man growing in my prayer life, I appreciate that because actually, I feel like his theology helps me to pray. Right. I um and and just to to 
uh, affirm those for me. This clarity of his, the clarity of his writing. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, the story goes that uh, he would write, and then he'd read part of what he'd written to his sister, hmm. who had been unmarried and, and helped him with his household duties yeah. and so on. And never that, heard this. And then he and so at breakfast in the morning he'd read, and if she couldn't understand it, he'd rework, rework it. So his his sister not having any formal theological training. That's amazing. That he would he'd basically test what he'd write on her and rework it if she couldn't understand it. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. So so that and definitely I know what you mean by you know it's easy to enter into prayer based on reading him. For me, the other things, um, two other things um, that that I'm particularly drawn to, the rich biblical roots of his theology. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's also different places you can start. The, I mean, to do theology, you can start all over the place. Be inspired, right. but but he in particular is is, is inspired by the sacred word. Um, and, and just that, and, and in not in the sense merely that he quotes, he does certainly, but it's really, you can tell that he really, it's not that he's assimilate. We can never completely assimilate the, the biblical worldview, if you will, but he's entered into sacred scripture and the mind of God as he'd re, he has revealed it to us through scripture so deeply that his writing just reflects that, that, um, that biblical basis so clearly. Right. The biblical worldview yeah. in that sense. And the other thing too, um, then just he, he's also a very systematic writer. Like uh, I think this is maybe the comparison you're speaking. Of yeah, um, where where it's it's just he, and his ability to not just analyze when he thinks, but he synthesizes. He mm-hmm. brings makes all these different connections. He connects dots that and the incredible when he does it, he's like well, duh, but I didn't see it before. Right. That's he connects it in a way that's that's clear. And as you said about practicing it on his. Uh, uh, Sister. With his sister, an untrained, who's not trained as a theologian, just a simple believer. And then, um, but yeah, how it does kind of come together, it coalesces into a symphony. And I wonder if also that's part of his music background. I mean, he, yep. he loves music. Yep. And I wonder if that's kind of a reflection of that personal skill, that personal passion and pursuit of music is reflected in the way that he writes. That could be. So, Cardinal Ratzinger, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. Uh, before we continue on, you are listening to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. Um, if you have any questions about what we're talking about today, looking at our favorite modern theologians, or some of them, or any ideas for f- future episodes, please contact us, ignitionsfcatholic.org, or tweet at us, sfdiocese, use the hashtag ignition. Father, who else is on your list? So, um, I uh, speaking of, you are talking about uh, Cardinal Ratzinger's biblical worldview. I also have the biblical worldview of, uh, is a Protestant theologian, N.T. Wright. Mm-hmm. Uh, N.T. Wright. He's a bishop in the Anglican Church. Um, and uh, But his his biblical theology to me is just beautiful, especially his three-part series on the New Testament and the people of God, where he looks at uh, the historical world uh, of the time before, during, and after the life and teaching of Jesus Christ, and then looks at the scriptures and and uh, comparing them and contrasting them to uh, Jewish and pagan works of the time in the area. Right. And it's just a marvelous work for defending the historicity uh, and the uniqueness of the Christian claim. Right, right. He's definitely, to me, at least in the English-speaking world, one of, I mean, as you said, he's Anglican, he's not Catholic, but... St- if you will, despite that, he is certainly one of the leading biblical scholars uh, alive today. I, in the English speaking, yeah, I'll leave it at that. I, I think so. And, um, you know, I, uh, 
I haven't found much in his biblical theology to disagree with, but and I know some people might quibble with some of his other works, but I'm just kind of going based on these three, this three part series, which I've read through twice in my life. And really, this summer might be the whole thing. Yeah. Wow. All three series. And so, it's, so I'm marveling at that, the, the series that Father's referring to. I don't remember the name of the series, but I've got one volume on the resurrection. Right. Which is which the last is of the three. Massive. Yep. And I've never finished it, no. let alone the two that came before. Yeah. And the, and the section of the resurrection was supposed to be the last chapter of the second one. Right. But then uh, they'd already printed the bindings. Right. Uh, and so they had to drop it. And then when he dropped it, he just kept adding more and more research. Right. And, and it's, it's not supposed to be the final volume. I don't no, know. No, I think he's, he's supposed to have one on John because he doesn't actually cover John's gospel. Right, right. So, so what about for you? For me, interestingly, I, it, um, uh, also an Englishman, I uh, hadn't realized we, we have some of the commonalities then as I was looking at our lists. Um, Father Aidan Nichols is a, a an English Dominican, uh, so a member of the Order of Preachers. I believe he was uh, a convert from um, Anglicanism in his youth. Uh, but but Father Aidan Nichols uh, is definitely one of my favorite modern theologians. He's as a as a as a good Dominican, certainly a son, theologically speaking, of Saint Thomas Aquinas. Um, but also, he has great admiration um, and, and and a great scholar of some other modern biblical th- modern theologians who are on my list. But like Hans Urs von Balthasar, Henri de Lubac, some of the great um, uh, theologians of the mid and late twentieth century, um, who could have certainly been on my list as well. But he does a great job of just. A great theologian in his own right, but but one of his other gifts, uh, in addition to his own unique contributions, is he's a great introduction. He writes writes great introductions into the works of many of these theologians, including Cardinal Ratzinger. Uh, he wrote a great book on the theology of, of Cardinal Ratzinger um, back in the late '80s. Mm-hmm. Had to update it about seven years later when he was elected pope, but. Um, so Nichols and just and he, again, he, uh, I guess we haven't said this since again. Like Cardinal Ratzinger, a great breadth also of interests. He speaks. He shows how theology is relevant to so many different areas of life. And so he writes. Uh, uh, he's written a number of works on or all sorts of different topics, uh, matters of faith. So uh, definitely one of my favorite theologians. I think uh, my next one on my list is uh, someone who also kind of writes on a breadth of things. Uh, a broad scope of things. That's Ralph Martin, who is a systematic theologian on the faculty of Sacred Heart Seminary in Detroit, Michigan. Right. Um, and a layman. A layman. So a uh, married man, husband, father, uh, has not sought uh, ordination in the life of the church in any way. Uh, and I don't think desires to. But uh, he has a really marvelous uh, systematic book on the spiritual life called The Fulfillment of All Desires. Have you ever read that? Parts of it. Parts of it. So fulfillment of all desire, he goes and he looks at uh, many of the spiritual doctors of the church. So St. Therese of Lisieux, uh, Teresa of Avila, Francis de Sales, um, Catherine of Siena. Bernard of Clairvaux. Bernard of Clairvaux, uh, John of the Cross. Augustine. Uh, not not Augustine, actually. That's not one of his main sources. I thought it- Oh, well, because ever early on, he cites Augustine's Confessions, but you're, okay. Very right, good. He's, that's not one of his main sources. Right. Yep. And so, um, just look at the spiritual doctors and, and then comprising kind of a syn- synthesis, a symphony, if you will. So multiple voices coming together to teach uh, about the spiritual life with just great clarity, but also pretty good simplicity uh, for a lay person to get a hold of. Right, right. Um, and so I really uh, enjoy that. And, I, uh, and maybe that's just kind of more of like, oh, this one's hot on my reading topic right now so i'm enjoying it um but i think it's a good um 
it's good because it's 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 on the spiritual life, but it's going to teach you theology and some systematic things at the same right. time. Right. So especially for uh, listeners uh, of ignition who maybe felt that you know you don't have all the specialized training or things like that, he's going to teach you some of these things, uh, but without make but, but while making them seem pretty reasonable. Right. One of the things that interests me, and he's not unique this way, there's some other um, writer, authors and speakers uh, in, in the United States today, Catholics, who got started, if you will, in ministry, like with evangelization discipleship. And they've just sort of, the way that that's gone has led them to writing on spiritual matters. Jim Beckman is another right. guy who I think of got started in youth ministry, but he's all, doing all sorts of work with prayer mm. and discernment and so on now. Um just I, I just I find that interesting. Well, I think it it is interesting because I think it connects the vital point of evangelization that evangelization just can't be a matter of salesmanship, right? And I, I get a little nervous um, about any view on evangelization, Catholic or otherwise, um, where it just seems like the the main impression I get is um, it's all about making things more accessible mm-hmm. to others. Mm-hmm. Um, but not really going into the spiritual realities at play in the hearts of individuals or mm-hmm. the spiritual spiritualities at spiritual reality at play uh, overall on the issue of uh, uh, being part of the body of Christ. Right, right. And so um, it's it's not just, okay, you, you said earlier just a minute ago, the way you started that, it's not just about making it accessible, it's about really being attentive to the heart then. Right, okay. right. So it's not just a matter of like, um, Catholicism for dummies, which we'll is dumb it down enough. And, you know, mer- uh, you know, people say like, you know, journalism, you know, you can only read it. As, you know, you used to be able to say they write it at an eighth grade level level. Now they say, write it at a sixth grade level. Uh, no, I, I think with our faith, it's not that at all. It's a matter of just going to the heart of the human person, which is uh, made for relationship with God. And what are the time honored, uh, things and the true things that the experience of the saints have found that's true to all men and women. Right. Okay. Um, my third is um, also a lay person, lay woman in this case. Only one on our list. Only one on our list. Um, Tracy Rowland. Uh, Tracy teaches, she's the dean actually, I think, as at least as we're recording this, of the John Paul Institute in Melbourne, Australia. So uh, the JP Institute's, the, the, the mother one, so to speak, being in Rome, but Washington, D.C. has uh, J.P. Institute on Marriage and Family, and Melbourne, Australia does as well. Uh, She's also a member of the International Theological Commission, having been appointed to that by Pope Francis um, a couple years ago. Um, And she is, she, she's very similar in terms of the sorts of things she does and her approach to theology um, as the, the, the previous member of my list, Father Aidan Nichols. Um, Again, uh, a daughter theologically of St. Thomas Aquinas, but also very much um, uh, a a student of Hans Wiers von Balthasar and and others. She, what strikes me um, particularly about Tracy Rowland's work is she, um, She has a great ability to get to me to the undercurrent of what's going on in particularly Western culture today. Like what are the deep fundamental issues, um, the things that we don't see uh, that, that, that maybe aren't obvious to us as, as we think about why are things the way they are, good and bad, um, in Western culture. Um, she has a great way of, of penetrating more deeply theologically and philosophically uh, into um, 
what's going on, why things are happening the way they are, and particularly pointing out dangers. Um, you know, so going back, you, know, you talked earlier about evangelization, make, trying to make it more accessible. Uh, one one common, uh, not always temptation, sometimes it's good, but when we're trying to evangelize, uh, we want to speak in the language of the person. And there's certainly truth to that, but we have to be careful because our faith has its own language, if you will. Um, so you can't dumb it down completely, as we were saying right. earlier. There has to be, the, the, the spirit must rise up. Uh, in a certain way, or be be raised up by the power of grace, but to 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 assimilate itself to the faith world, not just the other way. Right, and um, because exactly right that there's an assimilation or conversion to the faith world that must go on, and that man must be called to. I think that's actually part of the diabolical plan, probably at every age, is to inhibit man from thinking and engaging. Uh, in their thoughts. Right, right. Right. Which might be a good reason for us to remind you that you're listening uh, to Ignition, a uh, broadcast on the new evangelization, uh, both on uh, Lamb Catholic Radio or online. Uh, you can send us questions, uh, comments. You can also send requests for show topics to email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, sfcatholic.org. You can also tweet at us using the uh, diocesan Twitter handle SF, at SFDiocese and mark your tweet with the hashtag Ignition so we can notice it. So Tracy Rollins, my number three. Father, number four on your list. Number four on my list. Um, by the way, I'm just noticing we're almost all of yours in some ways Thomists. Would you consider Ratzinger uh, uh, a Thomist? No. Really? He wouldn't consider himself a Thomist. You consider uh, Augustinian? Yeah. Okay. Um, so mine is a Thomist, uh, by only, mine's my only Thomist, I really would say, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reginald, and he's, uh, uh, he, he's quite he's the Thomist. Only, he's the only deceased. Yeah. Out of all of us. He's yeah. the only deceased. Yeah, you're right. He, the oldest one, uh, Reginald Gary Gu Lagrange, which is just a baller name. Uh, Reginald Gary Gu Lagrange. And, uh, he was a theologian in the early 20th century. He taught at the Angelicum. Another Dominican. Which is the Dominican institution in Rome. And uh, but he's just a great uh, synthesizer on uh, the on the writings of Saint Thomas Aquinas, a great devotee. Probably responded to Pope Leo XIII's call for increased emphasis on the works of Saint Thomas Aquinas in the life of the Church. Right. Yep. Um, and uh, uh, I, I like him especially also again for his spiritual work, uh, his writings on the three stages of the spiritual life, the three conversions of the spiritual life. I find to be a great introduction to just a better understanding of your own heart and soul and kind of what's going on in them. So that's another uh, pretty page count wise heavy trilogy. Actually, I, I, I've read the very short version called The Three Conversions of the Spiritual oh, Life, okay. which is much shorter. So I was going to ask you if you've read that whole trilogy. Too, I haven't read the whole okay. thing yet. No, okay. no. Okay. Um, maybe I should do that before I go back to N.T. Wright. But um, no, I've read his short one. I've also read his book on predestination, his book on... Um, the last things, um, also read a book of his on the priesthood, which was very beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, he's definitely more technical. He's definitely a much more technical author. Um, but I think even just his short run on the three conversions of the spiritual life would be very useful just for understanding kind of the conversions that, uh, the Christian soul goes through. Okay. My fourth is, we both also had one American. Um, we each had one American that's on right, our list. That's right. And so my American is uh, Bishop Robert Barron. Um, of course, became well-known when he was 
just a priest, if you will. <laughs> just a priest? Excuse me while I go absolve sins. Excuse me while I go confect to the Blessed Sacrament and wed heaven to earth. What? Never mind. That, uh, yeah. Uh, then Father, now Bishop Robert Barron, uh, definitely one of my favorite Canterbury theologians. Again, like all three, the, the th- all four on the, my list have the commonality uh, in that they're very attentive to the how faith impacts daily life. And how daily life has impacted the life of the church. But, exactly, right. And so uh, I came across uh, now Bishop Barron early on as, as he was, um, especially YouTube videos where he's commenting on movies mm-hmm. and so on. Um, and I'd seen some of that. I was really liked what I saw. Um, but then I read some of his more theological works after that and really uh, one collection of essays in particular whose name escapes me right now uh but but a really i really liked his approach about how the uniqueness of christianity this is very ratzingerian too the uniqueness of christianity has to come through um don't try he has this one essay called beige catholicism is that exploring catholic theology essays on god liturgy and evangelization no not that seeds one. of the word uh, no no that's all I got from a Google search. Um, not, our Catholicism, our faith shouldn't be beige. It should be vibrant. It should stand out. Uh, so so Jesus, Christ, I remember he emphasizes in Mark's gospel, he was the one who drew it to my attention. Um, there's a line in Mark's gospel, I think chapter eight, where the, Jesus' followers are following him. And, 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 and now Bishop Barron points out that the, they were amazed and afraid. And I am I amazed and afraid by following Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so faith being vibrant and it should strike us a little, a little strange almost, um, and it should impact every aspect of my own personal daily life and of our cu- life as a culture as well. Culture is a key word in all four of my uh, the, the people on my list. So, um, honorable and quick honorable mentions. Yes, please. As I can say, we're, we got a minute left. Who else would make your list? Uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Sure. Uh, deceased American bishop, but just a great teacher. Also, uh, uh, Frank Sheed. Right. Yep. Um, and for me, I know you, you talked about it earlier. I really, uh, John Paul II's his writings, um, granting what you said about they can be difficult because of his particular style. Um, but, but for me, my my own life, uh, uh, a powerful theologian in his own right. Um, why should anybody read theology? Thirty seconds, Father. <laughs> um. Because it's about the life of conversion. If you love someone, you should start to think like them. And if you love Jesus Christ and his church, you should try to start to think like they do. Not to become a robot, but in order to better complement yourself uh, to what the church teaches and is and offers to you. And theologians in particular, not necessarily doing work as as, uh, bishops and so on, but just introduce us to the depth and the riches and the profundity of our faith. And with that, we will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, we've mentioned a couple times, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or tweet at us, sfdiocese, use the hashtag Ignition with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.